Welcome to We Are ACHE of Massachusetts, a podcast series produced by the Massachusetts chapter of the American College of Healthcare Executives. This series features educational and inspiring conversations with leading game changers in the healthcare field, offering insight into the challenges of healthcare professionals in the 21st century. Now, here's your host, Jordan Rich. Thanks for joining us. In this edition of the podcast, we're bringing you our special Equity in Healthcare series, where we're taking a look at current diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI initiatives in healthcare through interviews with leaders in the field who have done the work and been there. We're going to dig into the impact of DEI-focused projects on patients and the healthcare workforce. We'll also discuss how you can bring successful DEI initiatives to your organization. Joining us today is Vilma Martinez-Dominguez, Community Development Director, the Office of Planning and Development for the City of Lawrence, Massachusetts. She is very busy helping the citizens of Lawrence on all fronts, including seeing to their health care needs. Vilma, thank you so much for for joining us today. Uh, This past year has been especially challenging for anyone in the healthcare field or the administrative field. Uh, What's it feel like to be a year out and still fighting the good fight? Wow. Well, first of all, thank you, Jordan, for the invitation uh, to uh, record this podcast. I think that every opportunity that we have to talk about Lawrence and how unique Lawrence uh, is and and the way that we approach uh, health disparities, it's really unique. And and I appreciate any opportunity we can share the good news. It's been a tough year. So I I am the community development director. So a lot of the work that I do has to do with enhancing the physical environment of our city and uh, improving the quality of life of our residents. So you can only imagine all that that encompasses and how many tables I need to be sitting at. Uh, In addition to that, I also uh, oversee the Mayor's Health Task Force, which is um, a health coalition, a multi-sector coalition that promotes health equities uh, for all through advocacy, capacity building, education and networking. So uh, you can only imagine. So a lot of the work that we do at the community development per se has to do the bulk of it with housing um, and and think about in the context of COVID, all the things that I do so that then when I continue speaking, I will tell you why we came up with some of the ideas that we came up with to address COVID. So we, lo- we work on their housing creation and preservation and particularly for low income folks in our city. And that includes, you know, anywhere from, you know, helping first time homeowners to House, doing housing rehab to supporting uh, housing developments in our city. Uh, economic development, particularly small businesses. So we support small businesses that are starting up or expanding. Um, public infrastructure, a lot of the work that you see uh, with throughout the city, particularly uh, uh, in parks and park renovations. So we have about 40 plus open spaces, parks and open spaces in our city that's less than seven mile radius. So it's a tiny, tiny city. Public services, we do a lot of work with the nonprofits and finally a homelessness prevention and intervention. So with that um, came CARES Act, right? And CARES Act, basically uh, the, the US Department of Housing and Urban Development, basically because we're an entitlement community, basically uh, we are a community that's low income, has a, a few challenges. And based on that, they come up with, with the formulas. Uh, we received about $4 million in assistance and we had to figure out how we're gonna invest this money uh, in looking at housing and homelessness and looking at how our community and, and 72% of our community rents and so think about that, the impact, the economic impact that it has had, uh, it, particularly in communities like Lawrence that face certain challenges, you know, community of low income, people who work, you know, um, those frontline jobs, um, 
house head of households that really you know are responsible for children who are now doing remote learning uh, a lot of our families ended up being you know either um, had to leave take a leave and not work or uh, became unemployed and so of course you know immediately we thought about okay let's think about what's the best way we can support our families and there's a really unique way that Lawrence comes together and part of that is uh, through the we are Lawrence platform where there's over 60 or 80, I don't remember, it keeps growing, uh, nonprofit, um, government, you know, business sector, uh, legislators, different people, different uh, residents, um, school department, basically comes together and that group came together to address um, COVID response and broke down, broke out into different groups. And Based on that, we're able to talk about different ways that COVID has impacted our city. And there was a group that was le really looking at homelessness and a group that's looking at, at uh, financial stability, housing stability mm -hmm. for families. So we're able to use that those groups and be informed to help allocate funding for emergency rental assistance and rapid rehousing. We also allocated some funds for legal assistance because we have a lot of families right now who are facing potential evictions uh, and who are struggling, who can really keep up with their rent. So some of the funding went to support Northeast Legal Aid so that they can represent our families. Another million dollars that came in went to small business relief. So we we're able to assist businesses to help them keep a, stay afloat and actually pay for some of their um, um, not only business operations, but the staff with up to $10,000. And many of them were not able to, to um, access the PPP program. Uh, most recently, there is um, a program right now that um, it's assisting, and this is the city now, this is beyond the $4 million that we, we received. The city also said, you know what, we know that we have a lot of small businesses who may not be able to access, understand. There's so many challenges to the language, you know, from, from the language to um, uh, some of the ways that, that small businesses operate that really makes it very difficult for them to access uh, mm. uh, resources. And then we have people who are home. COVID bound, you know, uh, and the, the previous mayor actually set aside a million dollars for a restaurant program so that we can actually support local business, local restaurants while also providing food and assistance for the people most vulnerable. The most likely question next would be, when do you sleep? But I won't ask that question because <laughs> I'm sure you've tangled with that yourself. But demographically, how do you describe Lawrence in a, in a few sentences? I know it's, it's easy to generalize, but what is Lawrence all about in 2021? Well, Lawrence, as we all know, it's a small city. 80% of our population is uh, Latino uh, and minorities. Uh, we're very low income. I think we're second in the state. And uh, when you look at those statistics, uh, and then you look at COVID and the health inequities disparities that exist with COVID from, you know, um, receiving testing to receiving vaccinations, um, to having people still, you know, dealing with children at home who are not working. Just imagine how, you know, how, how all that um, dynamic hmm. plays out. Yeah. So we are also a city of many, many um, strengths and enriching diversity, enriching uh, in partnerships. And, and we come together, we learn how to do that very quickly. Uh, I have worked in other communities, but no other community feels like Lawrence, mm. like home. Like, this is where I belong. <laughs> I used to work in the Merrimack Valley uh, in, in the radio business, and I can attest to that fact. Uh, it, it's it's community, and it's tough. There's a lot of issues, but yeah. 
very, very community-based. So let me ask you a key question, and that is, what have you seen um, in terms of the exacerbation of bias or inequality or inequity when it comes to health care during this critical, almost crisis-laden time that we've been going through? What, what have you noticed on the ground? One thing you notice on the ground is what you hear all the time, that when it came to the distribution of either testing or resources or um, vaccinations, people of colors and communities of color tend to be, you know, lag behind. Um, and then when it comes to vaccination, we're still seeing a lot of stigma around the vaccination, uh, a lot of, you know, questioning whether or not to receive it. So there's a lot of outreach that needs to happen with that. But as much as I see that, I also see how we are we can quickly look at those things. And instead of looking at things as from a deficit standpoint, we tend to look at things as an asset building standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we do have very, uh, very good partnerships with the hospital and the clinic. And that really has helped us, you know, do a quick turnaround and actually make decisions quick, way faster than probably another community. Um, the health clinic locally serves more than 50% of the population in Lawrence. So the power that they have to reach to community and they're, and they're, they're so fully immersed in that community um, and, and, and they're at the table in so many ways, the same with a, with a hospital. Like we work really closely with a hospital. It really creates those trusting partnerships really create it. A, a faster uh, way for us to connect and actually come come up with solutions. So the first solution was the test, right? So you had these long lines at Lawrence General Hospital. Quickly, um, the former mayor was able to purchase a mobile health unit. And that mobile health unit actually went to communities where you have densely populated neighborhoods. And so that we can create access and breach, you know, breach, you know, those opportunities for people. That's one thing that we've seen it show up, but we also quickly have responded. Um, and now you see it that we we were third. We were um, third in the state when it came to cases. I think we still are. Um, there's over 18,000 cases in Lawrence in a population that according to the census, it's 80,000 and change. But if you really wanted my opinion, it's over 100,000 people, right? Because it's a gateway community. It's an immigrant city. Uh, we we see a lot of people, you know, double up and triple up living in, you know, housing in order to be able to afford it because the housing cost burn, it's not just a Lawrence issue, but it's across the board. It's mm -hmm. a national issue. Mm -hmm. But communities of color and communities that have, you know, low income are impacted very differently. Now, think about that when you're thinking about the spread of the virus, right? The first thing that they said to us was, you need to uh, depopulate. You need to get people out, you know, of, of this situation so that we can control the virus. Lawrence opened its first quarantine shelter in the state. The state hadn't even opened their own. And I met with my staff and we were able to open a hotel in Andover where uh, families who were either living in a shelter that couldn't stay there because they needed to depopulate, people who were going to DTA for emergency shelter that couldn't be placed, domestic violence survivors who were looking in a place to stay and couldn't go anywhere because of COVID, uh, and people who were living double up, triple up, all those families ended up in that Andover shelter. And we ended up opening a couple more, one of which was done with a state. And that's the relationship that we have with our legislators and the Department of Public Health. That one was regionally was for unsheltered folks, and we were able to also provide it, it's thinking out of the box like you've never had to do before. Absolutely. And I, I've talked with numerous people from all fronts over the last year, and that's the really positive 
step in our growth as a society that we're coming up with creative ideas. Yeah. Let me ask you about uh, something that is unquestionably part of the landscape, and that's unconscious bias. It occurs in a lot of different areas, but uh, we've heard stories in healthcare. Can you address that in Lawrence as you've seen it, if you've seen it? It may happen to a certain degree still, but we have done such a great job. See that when the mayor's old task force started in, it was 19 years ago, uh, it was started with a, with the thinking about, you know, let's talk about racism. Let's talk about oppression. Let's talk about discrimination. Let's talk about all these intersectionalities of oppression. Let's talk about how they impact health. And we have done a great job over the years of building partnerships and providing education and providing opportunities so that people could understand that, you know, if we all agree that these things are a problem, if we stop being defensive and understand that it does happen, that white privilege still exists, that it plays out a role, that when you have stereotypes and when you have stigma and when you have uh, pretty, uh, predetermined opinions about groups, it's going to play out. Not only in the in the in the health place, you know, the medical uh, sector, but everywhere. One of the things that Lawrence has done well, at least the city of Lawrence, is is that you look at the department heads. Let's just start with that. And as a city, I'm wearing my city hat right now. You look at our department's head department heads, and the majority are people of color. You need to reflect the people that you serve, and that leadership has to be like prominent. Like it it is here, it's seen. Uh, you have a lot of women leading department heads. Now you see that the diversification of, of the police department, where it's the, for the first time, it's a minority majority police department where the majority of the people there are Latinos uh, and African-Americans and you know other you know minor, minority groups, but we're not a minority with the majority here, mm. uh, and women. I think that you start to change the conversation, right? You start to change the landscape. And when you inject those, those people in leadership positions and decision-making positions, the conversation changes. It's so refreshing to hear your approach and your colleagues' approach that is, let's work on what we have as assets and build on those. And I think you just described what they are. And the thing about health is it's palpable. You can see the results. It must be very gratifying to you. It is because if you're not addressing those root causes, you can come up with 300 programs and you're addressing a person at a time. But if you start changing policies and you start changing systems and conversations, then things shift. For probably in 2014, this is a great example. Um, the mayor's health task force, at the Lawrence General Hospital at the, uh, at the mayor's health task force. And they was, you know, there was some cap capital improvement and ended up being, you know, resulting in $2.5 million of funding going towards community health initiatives. Um, because we have those trusting relationships, because we understand uh, inequities um, and because there's a trust there, we were able to leverage those funds to look at programming and bring staff staffing capacity and educational opportunities so that we can address some of those gaps. And I think that's one clear example of how, you know, the medical sector, the, med uh, the uh, medical uh, sector, it's, it's interested in having those conversations. About three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I was invited to talk about uh, oppression and how it plays out, um, racism and oppression, how it plays out in the, in the medical field and in the delivery of services for COVID for the Lawrence General Hospital leadership. And that was, you know, the CEO, like the, the, the people that, you know, are, are leading the hospital want to hear from, you know, little old me <laughs> about how, you know, what are the things that are impacting my community, my people. 
um, and so that they can improve their service delivery and change the ways that they do business. So I think that it the those things are there, but I think in Lawrence, what's what makes the difference is that we have the ability to have those very difficult ongoing conversations about it, right? Because it's not just one yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's no secret that Lawrence, like a lot of cities, uh, has been at times plagued with crime, and there's a direct impact, I believe, between the health care and the attention to health, particularly mental health, been particularly challenging over the last year because who among us hasn't been literally down or angry or frustrated or alone? Is the city focusing uh, on the mental strain on the, on the population as other cities are trying to do? Absolutely. There is actually one of the working groups under the We Are Lawrence and also the Mayor's Health Task Force that looks at behavioral health. We know that behavioral health and mental health it's uh, it's something that we need to pay attention, especially when one out of three people has some sort of behavioral or mental health condition, right? So, uh, and now with isolation and 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 poverty and unemployment and you know education challenges with children at home, um, the stresses even in families where domestic violence exists, and now you know you're you're further trapped in that situation. We understand uh, the frustration of you know teenagers not being able to to be with our friends and with our peers and have to do remote learning. Now, thank God that, you know, some of them are going back slowly, but uh, I, we all thought about it and we have come up with different ideas of what can we do to provide support to the families. And I think that, that it's one thing that has happened remotely. Uh, now it's, some of it is happening in person. And most recently, actually, um, the uh, Massachusetts Office of Victim Assistance uh, gave uh, allocated uh, a little over, I think it's uh, $700,000 to Lawrence to support, provide any kind of you know, therapeutic, you know, behavioral support, not only to, um, to gas, you know, it, it was primarily for gas disaster, you know, the post-traumatic stress disorder that people are still living two years, almost three years right, after, right. and we're still dealing with it. Right. But also you can see how that service can also be expanded to now serve our whole community, um, a COVID-impacted community. Yeah, we haven't talked about the gas explosion particularly, but uh, for anyone in this area, it's still very, very stark. I mean, it was an amazingly horrific moment uh, that affected businesses, closed businesses, ruined homes, destroyed homes, and, and hurt a lot of people. Let me um, ask you to address a big part of the audience for this podcast, which is healthcare executives, mm-hmm. because you said something about the connection between your community and the government of Lawrence and the, the hospital and the healthcare centers. And obviously, that's been a, a very important bond. What advice would you have for other healthcare executives, people in the hospital world, you know, in terms of reaching out or connecting with or having virtual coffee with somebody in a position like yours? Why that's so important? It is important because you you need to understand the context in which people that you serve live, right? Um, you need to understand what are the challenges that people, you know, that diverse population experience so that you can understand. I mean, they, they, I don't think the conversation is new because there have been so many best practices that have been shared. For instance, the veggie prescription, it's an example where people are actually done, you know, by the medical provider that do an assessment. And they say, okay, in order for you to be healthier, you need to create access to eat more food and vegetables. Well, we know that sometimes that's a little expensive. 
And there were times where the hospital used some of the community benefits to give low-income families a veggie prescription that they can take to a farmer's market and get one, but you know, one for one. And so this is this concept is not new, but I think that what we need to understand is that it's ongoing, that things change, that um, the environment change, policies change, and um, and people change. Even the population. When I first came to Lawrence about close to 30 years ago, it's not the same as it was 30 years ago. So we cannot continue to provide services based on that old thinking. Always have to be in contact with the community or these people that serve the community directly because you need to change the, the way you do your, your you deliver your, your services based on what's happening, correct? So that's one definite thing that I will say um, and that health is just not healthcare and many of them know it. It's really doing a social assessment, social environment assessment, socioeconomic assessment of that family to see uh, what's going on in their lives, that that it's really hindering their ability to stay healthy um, or, or manage a certain condition. One thing that you mentioned that caught my ear and perhaps others is money and the funding and where the money is spent. And mm-hmm. this now more than ever in our lifetimes is the time to spend whatever resources you have directly in helping people because life and death is at stake. How would you assess the uh, the efficiency in spending the money in getting that money to the people who need it? How's that been going? Well, it depends where the pot of money comes from, right? So HUD has a very specific way of of measuring impact and ensuring that the funds that we are distributing go to the people that they need to go. So there has to be a certain income eligibility. If it's homelessness, there's certain determination, you know, that we need to follow by the federal government that tells us this is what a homeless person, this is what we will pay for. This is the description. But also when it comes to the funding that the city taxpayers are 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 putting towards, for instance, for instance, the restaurant program, right? Uh, the new small business relief, because that's another $500,000 that was recently appropriated for those businesses that never got anything because they don't have maybe a good relationship with their accountant. Maybe they don't, they don't have the proper paperwork. They don't have their things in order. So it's about understanding that not everything, not everything fits in a box and that we need to be creative, as you mentioned before. But we also need to be responsible with the way that we, we, we spend our funds. And so there's, there's accountability and transparency throughout this whole process. Every week we have discussions about how many restaurants are actually, you know, sign up. What are the challenges? We had the, the director of, of business and economic development go on foot with our city councilors to visit uh, actual small businesses, to hear from them and to offer the, the service and to figure out, you know what? What is it that makes it so difficult for you to apply? I don't have access to a computer. I don't know how to do that online. I don't speak the language. We want to help you and then figure out a way to do that. And I think that from the hospital perspective or any other partner, any other sector, it's it's having the flexibility to understand that we know how to best serve our community and to trust us with that and, and to understand that funding sometimes it's almost like most of the time we're trying to fit to the funding requirements when it should be the other way around. Funding should really be molded to a way that truly serves the community that needs it. And I think that that's one message I will send out there, not only to hospitals, but also to foundations. (laughs) (laughs) Your message is heard loud and clear because you have passion and you have energy. I, I joked about when you sleep, but the fact that I was able to 
get a half an hour of your time in the middle of your incredible schedule is really quite impressive. I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I think a lot of people are, are going to be more than pleasantly surprised when they revisit Lawrence or revisit the concept of Lawrence because uh, reputation is built on deeds, and it seems like you're really moving in the right direction. So thank you, Vilma, for sharing with us. It's been absolutely wonderful. And it is a pleasure. And really, the one thing I will say that once we're, you know, reopening, come visit us. Lawrence, it's a brand new place. Lawrence is beautiful. Lawrence is rich. Our restaurants, our parks, our open spaces, our people. I think come and experience it on your own instead of what people tell you, because I think sometimes we get a bad rap. And you mentioned something before I leave about uh, crime. Our crime has been decreased by 47% year to date. Right. We have a very strong community policing program and a very amazing partnership with our Lawrence Police Department as well. So come visit us. Thank you for joining us today for our Equity and Healthcare series within the We Are ACHE of Massachusetts podcast series. Today's podcast is brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives, the Massachusetts chapter. If you're looking to grow your career, then consider joining other leaders in healthcare and becoming an American College of Healthcare Executives member. There are many benefits to joining the Massachusetts chapter of ACHE. You'll be among the leaders in healthcare, gaining knowledge and skill sets that will help you grow professionally and excel at your job. You'll enjoy greater satisfaction and the potential to enhance your career. And you'll be giving back to your profession in positive and inspiring ways. As a member of ACHE, you'll join more than 48,000 healthcare leaders from across the United States and the world who are dedicated to improving healthcare and advancing the profession of healthcare management. Visit ACHE.org slash membership. That's ACHE.org slash membership.